welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince and I am author of Seven Skills for the Future. Both the book and the podcast are all about raising awareness of seven skills that we all have. They are adaptability, empathy, critical thinking, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. And in this podcast, we explore how we can bring these skills into our everyday to really make an impact on our happiness levels, on our productivity, our effectiveness, our relationships, both at work and at home, and in all areas of our life. And I believe that when we nurture these skills, we really do that. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Vikas Pandey, and Vikas is an emergency surgeon, and he works for the NHS and also in private care. And he's a surgeon with a difference because he actively practices mindfulness and meditation and encourages the people that he works with to do the same. And what I love about this interview, one of the things I love about this interview um, is that we, we talk about the impact of our everyday lives on our ability to be mindful and particularly our use of smartphones. And what Vikas says is that actually um, it's not really about smartphones. We, we, we all have this human ability to be distracted and that if it weren't smartphones, it would be something else. And that actually, it's just that it's a lot more visible because we can see people on their smartphones. And I just thought that was, uh, you know, that I learned something from that. Um, and he explains so well what mindfulness really is, what meditation really is, and how just by practicing this in a small way in a small amount every day um it really has a lot of benefits and he is a doctor so he should know So I'm sitting here today in the wonderful Harley Street offices of Dr. Vikas Pandey, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the show this morning. Thank you so much for for being here. Thank you very much for inviting me. So I am really keen to talk to Vikas about his work in mindfulness, and could you tell our listeners a bit more about what you what you do, both in your your, your work um, as a surgeon and also your your work in mindfulness? Sure. Um, well, I've always, um, shall I say, dabbled with meditation and. Uh, a mindful approach to life really from quite an early age. Uh, I uh, attribute passing my driving test after a number of uh, failed attempts mm-hmm. to, to meditation practice, really. Uh, I'm, I work as a consultant in emergency and vascular surgery and uh, spent a lot of my training in, in London. 
and I've always really enjoyed my jobs, but uh, surgical training in busy surgical units is, is, uh, can take a lot out of you, uh, even despite uh, however much you may actually enjoy the job. The pressures of working within the NHS, within work, uh, uh, a busy unit, and uh, dealing with critically ill patients, mm. uh, as well as being a, a surgical trainee in this country, would test the majority of people. I took up a locum consultant job uh, for a couple of years, which uh, I again uh, I found was really quite testing. I uh, had a, a short break actually before taking up uh, this post in, in uh, emergency surgery uh, back in 2015 and I decided to take up and uh, use that opportunity to take up a regular practice of mm -hmm. meditation and I started reading more into mindfulness techniques. So I, I started uh, a daily practice just of breathing meditation and I myself notice changes um, just mm. with my general state of mind within a week. But more interestingly, and this is something that I found consistently with, with uh, clients that I've taught mindfulness and meditation to, uh, people around me noticed changes as mm -hmm. well. And that was the greatest uh, encouragement really. Mm. And I would say that all the major benefits I've seen, as I mentioned earlier, I think I probably passed my driving test because <laughs> I was relaxed enough after a period of meditation. But I find that um, all the benefits, all the real benefits that have helped me with my day-to-day -day life and uh, my, my practice as a surgeon have come after starting mm -hmm. a daily practice of, mm -hmm. of meditation. And mm -hmm. this has helped me become more mindful. I think, uh, and I will say from the outset, uh, you can uh, have mindfulness, be a completely mindful person without a meditation practice. But uh, I think the two really mm -hmm. do help one. Mm -hmm. Another. So I, I, I believe that you should have a sitting practice mm -hmm. and it will accelerate a more mindful mm -hmm. approach to life. Mm -hmm. And how long is your daily meditation practice? It's it, it, uh, increased and it's followed a natural increase and that's what I recommend to mm -hmm. everyone that I teach meditation to. So I, I did start uh, very early on, uh, but when I started a daily practice, it was with relatively short intervals mm. of practice, so five minutes initially mm -hmm. for the first mm -hmm. week. I think I built up to 10 minutes. Yes. And uh, within about... Uh, a couple of weeks I was meditating for about 20 minutes yeah. which is the uh, the amount that a lot of meditation teachers actually recommend is the requisite amount for most mm. working adults mm. Mm. Uh, so some would argue um, <laughs> that if you lead a particularly busy life you should probably meditate for about an hour oh, uh, gosh. I, I, would, I would tend <laughs> to agree with that but yes. the benefits do increase yeah. with the amount of time but you should just mm -hmm. uh, follow what is natural for you and not force yourself mm. Initially. And you you said that um, you noticed the benefits after one week, and 
other people did as well around you. So, so could you tell us more about the kinds of benefits that the the initial ahead? the initial benefits uh, that you would will perceive within uh, a week are a general sense of peace around the time of the meditation. Uh, the more you practice, and especially with the daily practice, you find mm -hmm. that this peace permeates more and more into your life. Uh, I also found that I was watching my breath a lot more uh, mm -hmm. outside of sitting practice. And uh, only uh, later on, when I did a, a vast amount of reading on meditation and mindfulness techniques, did I realise how important that actually is just stopping that train of thoughts, that mm -hmm. continuous train of thoughts that we all have. Mm -hmm. So just taking uh, a minute uh, mm -hmm. within an hour mm -hmm. period and just watching your breath just for a, a minute can make a huge difference mm -hmm. to your mm -hmm. sense of peace and well-being. Mm -hmm. So that, that is the the thing that you notice internally and it, it, which is what is most commonly reported by mm -hmm. people within and the, it's something very consistent mm -hmm. that uh, people around the meditating person will will feel that sense of peace yeah. and be affected by it. Yeah, yeah. However, people are really, really busy. So I've started to do something um, quite fun, interesting. Um, and when I'm in, like if I'm on a commute or if I'm just sitting somewhere or even in the waiting room, I was waiting for our interview, I look around and I just observe how many people are on their phones. And I've noticed very roughly, it's not statistical or anything, but I've noticed very roughly uh, eight out of 10, and I'm one of the two, uh, uh, eight out of 10 are on their phones all the time, all the time, all the time. And one other person, and me, uh, is not. So um, this is, I, I think this is a huge barrier to being mindful and to um, using meditation. Could you tell us more about your views on, on our lifestyles and, and our, you know, the technology? Uh, I mean, people have just forgotten how to sit still and not do anything really. The mind, uh, it, this is the challenge of mindfulness, really taming the mind. You're not going to be able to stop uh, thoughts from arising. They will continue to arise, but it's to stop being so uh, intimately associated with the train of thoughts that dictates your life and everything that you do. Uh, and this is part of the human condition. Unfortunately, if it was wasn't for social media and smartphones, we would have something else that mm, uh, okay. would occupy people's minds. Uh, it's a lot more obvious now uh, that people are preoccupied because it's visible. Yes. But it's part of the human condition that people will get carried away with thoughts. And uh, I'm very pleased to see a lot of the smartphones and a lot of the large companies have recognised the importance mm. of stopping that train of thought. So you'll find that with the Apple Watch, a lot of the smartphones and so on, they have like, uh, they, uh, a lot of them have timers uh, where it stops you and reminds you to have your conscious mm. breathing. And that makes a big difference, mm. but it's something that you do need to do regularly mm. every day and needs to become part of your life. Until uh, you get to a stage where you don't even have to think about it. Mm. Mm. Well, that's interesting. So, uh, because I guess I, I think, oh my gosh, you know, all this technology, you know, that's really um, 
hindering our ability to, to be mindful, but you're saying that actually if it wasn't that, it would be something else. Uh, absolutely, yeah. uh, and this is, it's not just a belief that mm. uh, I have myself, but it's one that's shared uh, with uh, meditation teachers from yes. around the world. It's the excessive thinking and the excessive yes. association with the thoughts that dramatically affects our quality of lives and the way that we perceive the world, mm. Mm. really. So I, I feel very passionately about just sitting still, just Mm. Just we've lost the ability to to do that, and we need to find it again. Yes. And uh, the, when we find that, we find uh, if we're able to sit still, we'll automatically find a rising of our awareness, and with that, mm. we'll perceive the world mm. in a much better way. Mm. I guess it also helps us to be less reactive to to what's going on around us. Absolutely. Um, uh, again, this is something I can say with hindsight now, uh, having uh, practiced meditation regularly for years, but only when you sit down with your thoughts for, for uh, I've done thousands of hours, but you don't need to do thousands mm. of hours to recognize this. But when you sit down and you recognize the constant stream of thoughts that you have, uh, m most of which are unconnected, <laughs> most of which, if you really sit down and analyze them, are completely incoherent. But what mm. the mind does is it latches onto a single thought and it generates a story out of it. And this story can dictate our day-to-day uh, -day lives. Yes, you kind of get into a cycle, and, and I guess that can be quite negative sometimes. So uh, you, your question was in relation to responsiveness. I, I think when you're able to sit down and observe your thoughts, it creates a mm -hmm. space. So when something, uh, in a hospital environment, for example, mm -hmm. if a colleague says something that uh, would normally uh, upset you or get you angry, mm -hmm. you have a moment uh, that you recognize a pause there mm. and that pause allows you to respond appropriately yes. rather than be reactive and uh, this greatly affects the working relationships of uh, everyone around you mm. Mm. and I, I guess many people will will say or perhaps they've said to you i'm too busy you know i can't fit this into my life um, but you're saying actually you can start with five minutes it doesn't have to be very long does it yeah, I would definitely start with a short amount of time just to avoid any discouragement and just because in the initial stages the mind is extremely active and you'll find that you're probably lost in thought mm. without regular prompts. Uh, you can be lost in thought for the complete duration of the five minutes. So start off with short periods and then build up when you feel it's appropriate. Um, the thing I would say from my own experience and my own practice, uh, the more I meditate, the more time I seem to have. I, I can't explain this, but, <laughs> but it's just the way that it's been. So, uh, and this. Uh, I think you just make changes. Once you start becoming mindful, you just mm. make, you start making changes, or changes start happening naturally, like your sleep becomes better. Mm. You start waking up more early. If you uh, 
uh, if you meditate in the morning, you start looking forward to the morning meditation, it helps you get out of bed. So I would say definitely start with short periods, mm. but build up naturally. Mm. Uh, aim for 20 minutes a day and try and uh, go for that uh, towards the end of the first three weeks. Mm. I mean, I, I can actually really identify with this because I know from my own uh, mindfulness practice that I'm, I'm much, not that I do it, I have to say I don't do it every single day, but I know that when I do it or when I'm, you know, aware of it, I am much more able to respond well to things. Um, I don't get upset about stuff, little stuff, little things that might kind of perhaps trigger some sort of reaction. Um, I find that I am much calmer about lots of things. And, and, and this, what you said about having more time, actually, I can identify with that as well. I don't know what that's about, really. I don't you know, know where it, that comes it is, from. Uh, it's <laughs> one of these... Uh... I couldn't, I uh, haven't got enough uh, uh, data to, to support such a statement, but it's one of these almost universal laws that the amount of time it, that you have in your day-to-day -day life is inversely proportional, mm. or uh, the amount of free time you have is directly proportional to the amount of time uh, you spent uh, in sitting meditation. I'm sure that uh, there is a limit to which that applies, but certainly at this moment in time, my normal practice is is uh, half an hour in the mornings and yeah. uh, up to 45 minutes in the evenings. Mm. Um, in when I'm on holiday or on leave or have a day off, I do try and uh, meditate for longer periods and uh, I do find that I get a lot more done uh, mm. in those times. Mm. So tell us about some of the people that you work with in your mindfulness training. Um, what sort of issues do they come to you with? Where, where, where do they find mindfulness most beneficial uh, a number of uh, people and uh, especially this is, is a problem in the NHS uh, come to see me with sleep related uh, mm -hmm. problems uh, I have to say that makes a, a big proportion uh, and they have tried meditation and they say they they can't do it because the mind's too active mm -hmm. Uh, the one thing that I would say to them at that stage is that's excellent. You recognise that your mind's active and that mm -hmm. that degree of awareness is a step mm -hmm. to recognise that. Um, and just through a regular practice and for those those clients and, and doctors that I've seen, uh, they usually have a practice in the evening. And just reducing the train of thoughts, because at the end of the day, uh, the thoughts that, that are there with you, uh, up until you approach the sleep period, they do carry a certain amount of momentum with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, if you're not able to slow down or, or uh, your thought processes before sleeping, and again, smartphones mm -hmm. will not help you slow mm -hmm. down your thought processes, you'll find that your sleep will be affected. Mm -hmm. No doubt uh, smartphones are... Uh, are responsible to a certain extent, but as I said earlier, mm. if it wasn't for smartphones, the the 21st century lifestyle mm. uh, is enough uh, really to uh, greatly affect people's quality of lives and quality of sleep. Mm. Uh, a lot of people uh, want to take up the practice just uh, to control anger mm -hmm. or mm. to just find a general sense of peace and happiness. 
a lot of people, uh, and uh, this is uh, especially the case with the wealthy don't seem to feel contented mm -hmm. in their lives mm -hmm. and they feel that something's missing in their lives and they want to give, they may have tried meditation in the past uh, and they just want to uh, see if this is something that might enrich their lives mm -hmm. uh, to which I would uh, unequivocally say yes it will but you do need to be committed and you do mm -hmm. need to take up a daily practice mm -hmm. I say uh, five minutes a day yes. over one week is more worthwhile than doing mm -hmm. one hour just mm -hmm. in a single day during that week a lot mm -hmm. more worthwhile mm -hmm. uh, there's a uh, uh, and certainly on my website you'll see that there is a focus on the medical benefits mm -hmm. uh, of meditation and uh, a lot of people um, are diagnosed with conditions like hypertension, high blood pressure, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't want to start medication for it and just want to see uh, if it's worth. Uh, and this is in a period where the GP might be saying, well, you're borderline, let's yeah. see how you are, let's see how you are in a visit. And they feel as though they're so desperate not to start medication mm. that they need to do something to do yeah. that. So they may have heard that meditation is good, can slow down the pulse and reduce blood pressure. And there is, uh, there's not a huge amount of evidence because uh, meditation and mindfulness is not something where, um, because, because it's completely free, uh, it doesn't attract a lot mm. of research funding. Mm. So there's not mm. a huge amount of evidence, but there's enough people who are practicing mindfulness around the world now. And uh, let's remember that this is a technique that's been practiced for over two and a half yes. thousand years. <laughs> yeah. uh, there must be something in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's become a bit of a buzzword, I guess, in, in, in more recent times. But yeah, Absolutely. it's something that's been around for a very, very long time. Um, so, could we talk a little bit about stress? Because a lot of people, uh, certainly people that, that we work with, um, talk about feeling stressed and I, I'm, I'm sure it's in connection with, with our lifestyles and, and, and the way we rush around. Um, could you talk, could you tell us about where stress comes from and how mindfulness can help us manage yeah. that more effectively? Stress is completely self-generated. It just comes from uh, our obsession with our thoughts in response to a situation which we may perceive as threatening. Mm -hmm. It is completely self-generated. And again, we need to stop that train of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Now, the lifestyles that we, uh, that we live in the 21st century don't really uh, help with uh, achieving a reduction in stress so we need to look at uh, other methods that we can reduce that that can consistent uh, excessive uh, stream of thoughts that we have that rules our lives and uh, I can say this which with such conviction because uh, as I said I say this with hindsight I recognize now how uh, Throughout my life, from my teens, throughout medical school, throughout all my surgical training, there's the uh, there's been this background commentary there all the time, and uh, most of the time, unbeknown to me, it's making decisions on my behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you sit down, you, uh, you recognise that 
um, it's these thoughts that um, and the the association, the mental association that you have with thoughts that actually are responsible for uh, the the uh, stress that's caused and the situation itself is often when you actually look at it mm. uh, with the eye of awareness, it's not actually that threatening at all. Yes. And yeah. if you approach every situation like that with mm. a mindful, uh, aware approach with less dependence on your thoughts, you'll find that situations and life itself isn't mm. as challenging as mm. you would as one would perceive it to be. Mm. Mm. So, could you can you give an example of, of how that might work in practice? Um, someone. Uh, so this happens uh, a, a lot of the time in in day to day work is someone will uh, make a neutral comment, neither good nor bad, mm -hmm. through, uh, uh, let's uh, use an example of this, um, you're looking smarter than usual today. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, uh, it, it, depending on one's mindset, uh, one could interpret this as, oh, does that mean I look quite <laughs> scruffy normally? The mind, if you don't keep it in check, will then dwell on this, dwell on your, uh, the appearances, go on to dwell on the clothes, uh, mm. the amount that you spend on clothes. It'll then pick up on the amount of money that you spend on clothes and generate a, another story. I'm just using examples. Yes. That yeah. am I earning enough? Uh, did the person make that comment mm. uh, because my clothes uh, look tatty? Uh, do I need to go shopping? Mm. Oh, do I have time to go shopping? <laughs> you can see that this process, mm. left unchecked, just continues. It is a continuous process. And unless you stop and just yes. observe uh, mm. your, your thoughts just for a moment, mm. you uh, will allow it to go unchecked. Mm, mm. So it is, it is about taming the mind, isn't it? It is, and, uh, 100%. Uh, and maybe it's just about saying, saying to that person who's given that comment, thank you very much, Yeah. and moving on with your day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and, and through mindfulness, uh, that space is, is mm. often there. Uh, it, it's there for you to respond uh, appropriately. Mm. Neutral comment. Um, they don't often say that. Mm. Nice of them to acknowledge. Thank you. Yeah. Which yeah. is the way it should be. Yes, yes. Um, so you've got a copy of the book there in your hands. And um, looking at those skills, looking at the seven skills, what springs to mind in connection with mindfulness and meditation and these skills? Well, I have to say that I took up the practice, as I mentioned, shortly after being appointed uh, as a consultant in the hospital that I currently work in. Primarily for resilience, which mm. is one of the, the seven skills. But actually, um, you find that with the, the rising awareness that you get with meditation and mindfulness, I would say that it probably has an influence on all of the uh, seven skills. I, I, I think it's a panacea for everything. You look at the medical <laughs> benefits, there's mm -hmm. benefits uh, from studies that have been shown across all the organ systems. So yes, I did do it uh, primarily for resilience, but I think there's benefits beyond that. 
just being able to observe your thoughts, for example, will improve your critical thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, just being uh, responsive rather than reactive. It, uh, it increases your empathy. There's been enough studies now to show that uh, mindfulness in, uh, increases compassion. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, that's certainly I've uh, noticed in my interactions with uh, colleagues, mm. junior members of staff, mm. as well as patients and their relatives sometimes. Mm. Uh, in the past, I used to think that they were being challenging but really, when you have that space created, you're able to see things from mm. the patient or their relative's perspective, mm. and their questions aren't challenging at all. Mm. They're perfectly appropriate. Yes. And that, yeah. uh, that uh, is, again, compassion, uh, mm. recognising that, and being able to respond in a compassionate manner. Yes. To, to yeah. Yeah. Challenging. Or and I guess. Yeah. I guess not attaching to the questions and thinking, okay, yeah. or being aware that these are appropriate for somebody who's concerned about their loved one. And yeah. I am an optimistic person, <laughs> but I I don't think I, I spend very little time thinking about holiday or the events that might be occurring in the future, mm. except from a practical perspective. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm very much more. Uh, I live very much more in the moment. Mm. So think that does make you more optimistic but you don't have as much anxieties about the future when you're living yes. in the moment yes so from that perspective I think that does make you more optimistic so you can see yeah. how yeah. it can affect all of the seven skills yeah. even though the main reason I took it up was for resilience, resilience. yeah yeah. So, um, because if our listeners want to know more about you and about your work, how can they find you? Uh, my website is www.pandey, that's P-A-N-D-E-Y, dot healthcare. That's one word. That's a, a quite unique email address. I'll repeat that. www.pandey.healthcare. <laughs> Uh, or you can send me an email at info at panday.healthcare. Great, thank you. And um, that those links will also be in the show notes for you to access. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's an absolute pleasure. It's been great talking to you and, and just finding out more about meditation and mindfulness and um, how... I guess we all need to just bring that more into our everyday lives, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seven Skills for the Future podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to make sure that every new episode ends up on your phone, all you need to do is hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a five-star review so more people can find out about the show? If you'd like to stay in touch or send in one of your questions for Emma Sue, then go to Unimenta on Twitter, 7 Skills for the Future on Instagram, or at unimenta.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, there's the book, 7 Skills for the Future, available at booksellers everywhere. Music